0: Welcome to the Treble Podcast. I'm your host, David Gertler. Treble is a business networking platform that helps professionals manage, grow, and most importantly, leverage their network for new business and career opportunities. Our podcast highlights business professionals and their stories. Join us to hear how some amazing people navigated or created their own career path and share business insights with us. Hey, Alan, thanks so much for making time today. Really appreciate you being here. Great to be with you, David, thanks so much. Thanks, so I understand you're running for public office uh, right now, right?
1: I am, and I'm running for Howard County Executive again. And frankly, David, to be honest, it's not something I planned on doing. Um, after the 2018 election, um, I've been enjoying my life. I've been having a lot more time with my family. I have a granddaughter now, she's a little over two, two years old now, spent a lot of time with her. Um, but after the 2020 election, a lot of people started coming to me and asking me if I would consider running again. And, you know, if your friends ask you that or tell you that you think, Hey, they're my friends. But what was unique, David was a lot of people started coming to me who I'd never met before people texting me. I had no idea how they got my phone number. And there were people who said they didn't support me in 2018. They didn't vote for me in 2018, but they want me to run now because they're concerned about the future of Howard County. And, you know, I, I shared some of those concerns, but, you know, as a a former elected official after elections over you really try not to say too much i mean i give ken allman credit when i got into office even though i didn't beat him he just ended his time he didn't criticize what i was doing he just kind of let me do my thing even if i was doing something different than what he might like so i didn't want to criticize the current county executive so i kept pretty quiet for the next, last few years mm-hmm. uh but when people started coming to me i did have feelings about things and so now i'm, I'm running because you know i care about howard county and i joke with people that You know, if I win, I think it is better for Howard County. If I lose, it's probably better for my family. Um, So I can spend more time with them. But, you know, I'm born and bred Howard County, and I want a great place for my kids and for everyone else's kids and my grandchildren. And and so that's why I'm
0: running. Awesome. Um, And I'm assuming it's a whole family decision.
1: It really was. It really was. And I sat down with everybody uh, last August when we were thinking about it. People last spring were really encouraging me to think about it. So last August, I kind of made my final decision. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely a family event. And my, my wife is very supportive. You cannot run for office without the support of your family. It's just not possible. Um, and so she's been great. Um, the family's been great. And so, you know, it's something we care about, you know, our whole family cares about Howard County and, and what's happening here. And, you know, we care about our communities. And so to me, it's, 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 it's something I'm doing because one, I care about our County and two, I care about the people who have come to me and said, will you please do this for us?
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to take you way back to yeah. formulative years, right? What made you decide? I, I know your father, I don't, I might've met your father once or twice uh, many years ago, of course. Um, what made you decide? Was he the inspiration for you going into public service?
1: No question. He was by far the biggest role model in my life for everything, not just politics. But um, but yeah, no, growing up, he was a, I was a single, you know, I was raised by a single dad. Um, my mom and my father got divorced when I was around five years old. And unusual back in the 60s, David, my father kept the three children. Mm. And it was actually a, a joint decision. So I'm not mad at my mom by any means. I think my mom realized that my dad had the better ability to take care of us at the time. And so we lived in all of you estates. And to my dad, we stayed there, my mom moved out. Um, And my dad was just an amazing person. He was an engineer at Westinghouse, but he was also involved in the community. Um, Some people have heard the story about my dad. He was very involved in the civil rights movement of Howard County. He came to Howard County in the 50s. It's funny, a lot of people think our family's been here for generations um no my dad moved here in the 1950s i'm the only one in my family who's born in maryland um, and so but my dad moved here He wanted to get involved and he met with reams leo dorsey who were uh, who were involved in the republican party and he, and he asked them if if he could help with the republican party and be involved with them and they said they had a deal um, they would let him do that if he would help them with civil rights and I believe Leola might have been at the time the president of the NAACP of Howard County. And so they asked my dad to join. My dad did. He was the first white person in Howard County history to join the NAACP chapter here in Howard County, became the chair of the Education Committee, worked with Silas Craft, Morris Woodson, Elhart Flurry, Remus Leola Dorsey, John Holland, so many great people in Howard County. To really. No, change things you know howard county wasn't always this great place that we think of it now david i mean back in the 50s howard County was not the place to be if you were an african-american uh and my dad worked to fight that and even though he was a single dad working a full-time job coming home making sure the kids had had our dinner did our homework and so when i saw that he could make a difference uh and then then later he became a delegate and a senator and really put uh his, his reputation was more important than the politics. And he kind of showed me that that's what you do. You do what's best for the community and regardless of whether who gets the credit, regardless of whoever, you know, it'll help you or hurt you in your next campaign. You got to do what's right all the time. And that's kind of what my, uh, my whole purpose has been to try to do what I think is right.
0: That's awesome. What insight, as you look back on those days, being a single dad running office, raising kids, what what carried through for you as you've raised the family in, in Howard County? I mean, he
1: just really put us first. I mean, he would, <laughs> my sister and I would joke, my dad was this guy who could change the world and still be home at 5 o'clock for and and it he made a big deal. He's always home at five o'clock for dinner or 5 through, I can't remember the exact time. Yeah. But he would be there every day for dinner. And we had someone who helped us around the house. Her name was Virgie. She actually was the wife of L. Flurry, the last principal mm-hmm. of Harry Tubman High School. So, of course, very close friends of ours. And, and and he would come home and he would spend time with us. He would make sure, you know, we did we did our homework. He would walk around the kitchen table every night, my mm-hmm. sister, my brother, and I, okay, everyone's got their stuff done. He knew. And he always said that education was a great equalizer mm-hmm. and that you need to work hard. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to commend people who worked hard, but he wanted to make sure everybody had the opportunity. Um, and so, so that's what his big thing to me was work hard, do the best you can, um, but just care for people. And he cared for us when he also was trying to change the world.
0: So, but he was an engineer. You decided to pursue law? <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, my, it was funny because my dad, I got involved in politics when I was very young. I tell people 1968 was the election where we became a charter county in Howard County. And I remember that election. I was 10 years old. I remember the people who ran for office that time. I remember it was John Holland and my dad was either his treasurer or his campaign manager. And uh, a guy named Doug Sands was either the other one. And John Holland was uh, the first African-American to run for countywide office in Howard County mm-hmm. as a Republican. And I don't say it to be partisan. I'm just saying that it's not always been the way it's been now. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't he wasn't successful, but, um, but I remember that election very well because John Holland was at our house all the time. I talked to him a lot. Uh, he was a great carpenter, did work at our house as well. Um, he's the one that the Community Action Council has the award dinner every, every year for the John Holland dinner. Um, but anyway, so I saw my dad from then on, and I would go to meetings with him. I was the only kid of the three that kind of enjoyed it. Um, and so even though my dad was an engineer, I think he probably enjoyed politics. I know he enjoyed politics, and I was the one that kind of gravitated that way. And so um, Yeah, I ended up going to um, UMBC and studied political science, Um, and I thought I'd go to law school, and to be totally honest, I did a terrible job on the LSATs when I took them after I graduated, I mean, really badly, and I said, well, you know, this isn't for me, and believe it or not, I went into the ministry. I actually was working with a group called Young Life, which is a high school ministry in Howard County and around the country, but I was in Howard County, of course, and worked with them for a while, and then actually went up to New Jersey for a little while and worked as a, a staff person for that ministry, and then. While I was there, they gave me some opportunities that I really didn't think was what I needed to do. So I came back home and went to school to become a teacher. Mm, So you talk about moving different ways. And then I I went, a student taught at Dunlogan Middle and Glenelg High School for social studies. Uh, But I remember my professor kept saying, you're not going to be a teacher. You're going to go to law school. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to go to law school. I tried that once already. Mm -hmm. And he convinced me to take the LSATs most more. This time I paid a little more attention. I studied, I took some courses on how to do well. And for some strange reason, I did well. And I got into the University of Maryland School of Law and I went that way instead of being a teacher.
0: Mm-hmm. So you found your true calling after all.
1: I th- I, you know what? I think part of it was, I had to grow up a little bit. And I think I also had to have my own, my own skin in the game. I hate to say it that way, but you know, the first time I'm sure my dad I said, no, I'll just take the test, I'll pay for it, do what you can. The second time, it was my money. It was my, you know, decision what I was doing. I was going to make sure I was going to make the most of the opportunity. So I paid for a course to go and took a course to get ready for the LSAT. So I think when someone has more skin in the game, they end up working a lot harder for it. And then I went to law school at night. I couldn't afford to go during the day. You know, my dad would pay for my undergraduate. He wasn't going to pay for my graduate school, and I don't blame him. And so I worked during the day as, believe it or not, a copy boy for a law firm in Baltimore City. I literally made copies. It's before the Internet. I would literally sit in this, a room and had two big uh, copiers in that room. People would bring me books, mm-hmm. and they want me to print out copies of all these law books so that they could do their research or whatever. And the joke was I, w- I was a college graduate going to law school at night, and I'm working in a copy room all day long. Wow. Um, and one day the managing partner told somebody, I heard this later on, Alan Kittleman dresses like he thinks he's going to be somebody because <laughs> i would wear i'd wear a suit or a jacket every day you know other guys who are runners and stuff were wearing jeans and stuff mm-hmm. but i you know, i was going to law school i wanted to be a lawyer and right. so it was It was just unique but i think it also helped me to see mm-hmm. you got to work your way through it if right. you work hard
0: yeah okay. that's awesome and Then, and when did you decide to go into the politics
1: it took a while um i mean i think it's it was when i was in law school but well, before that i think i was about 1990 82 or 83 after I came back from my time in the ministry, I got a little more involved. In 1988, I became president or, or vice president of the Republican Club of Howard County. Started following in my dad's footsteps. I really did believe, my dad always told me, you work your way up. You don't just say, I'm going to run for president. <laughs> you, know, you work your way up. You, you do your, uh, your dues, pay your dues. And so I was um, vice president of the Republican Club in 88. In 89, I was president of the Republican Club. Then I was secretary of the Central Committee, which was not an elected position. And then I ran for Central Committee and ran in 1990. And then that kind of started things. And 98 right. became a council member. So I think it was probably the early mid
0: 80s. Yeah, interesting. And then you just got hooked.
1: I got hooked. I, well, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was very interesting. I think this is true of a lot of people. I was much more partisan when I was younger. Uh, I think when you're younger, you're like, I'm going to change the world. We're going to make the difference here. And, you know, I you know, I didn't vote for Reagan in 1980. People think that's kind of funny. I voted for George H.W. Bush in the primary. Uh, I was more of a Bush kind of Republican. I still am, I think. Um, and so, I, but I was going to change things. And then what's amazing, David, is once I got elected into a public office that wasn't a party office, mm-hmm. you realize when the election's over, you got to work again. Right. And when I sat on that county council with Chris Merton was another Republican, but it was Vernon Gray, Guy Gazzone, and Mary Lorsal, three Democrats and two Republicans, I realized, you know what, folks, we're all in this together. We got to mm-hmm. start working together. And I think then I started to see that, you know, partisanship has its place, but governing is more important. And I learned that, and when I went to state Senate in 2004, it became even more apparent to me uh, that you really just have to work on the issues you care about, and, you, and if it's a Democrat who agrees with you, that's great. If it's Republican, that's great, but you just do what's right regardless of the party.
0: Right. interesting. Um, and, <clears throat> do you think there are characteristics that make certain people more effective public service?
1: No, no question. Um, you really, I think people who have too big of an ego or people who are ambitious in a way that they just want to get an office, Mm -hmm. have a more difficult time of being effective. I think people who are effective are the ones who don't care who gets the credit, Mm -hmm. the ones who don't care what party you're in, uh, the ones who really just want to do what's right regardless. You know, my dad would make people mad because he would be in certain issues that he would just think the do was right. People think he was crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think I inherited that from him. I mean, he got involved in the civil rights movement when it wasn't really popular as a white person to be involved in in Howard County. I mean, he used to at night come home and he would tell us these stories that he would move our beds away from the window from our home Mm -hmm. after he came home from a meeting because he was worried that someone might come in and throw something through our windows. And he used to tell me that Because I sat, my window, and where I sat, lived in my, our house was, my head was near the window. So he would move the bed around. Wow. And he would say, at least if a rock comes through or hurt Alan's feet, not his head. Um, that. Wow. But, but he did that because it was right. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, people in our neighborhood were not very happy. They didn't like the fact that we had African-Americans coming to our house. They didn't like that. They thought my dad was going to sell our house to an African-American. or My dad was going to marry an African-American woman. I mean, they had all these rumors going on. But my dad did it because it was right.
0: Yeah, that's, that's,
1: that's kind cool. of what I learned from. And that's kind of what I, I fought hard for marriage equality because it wasn't what my party thought was a good idea, but it was the right idea. It was the right thing for me to fight for. And so, you know, I don't think I would have done that for my dad's.
0: Yeah. What do you life. think is, as you look back in your career, what do you think are, are some of the things that you're most proud of accomplishing?
1: Well, the marriage equality is a huge one. Um, I really feel like that's almost the reason I was in the state Senate for all those years. Um, because when that came up, Um, I was the only Republican state senator to support Mm -hmm. that. Um, In the first year, I was the only Republican in all of Annapolis to support it. It didn't pass in 2011, it passed in 2012. Uh, But then in 2012, when it did pass, um, I became a surrogate all around the state of Maryland. And I used to joke with Carrie Evans, who was leading the marriage equality effort that year, and she would call me like every week. uh, Can you go on this TV show? Can you go on this radio show? Can you go down to to, uh, College Park and speak at a rally? And I'd say, Carrie, why are you always calling me? And she'd say, Alan, you're the only one. Mm-hmm. She goes, I have dozens of Democrats I can do. Right. You're the only Republican that I have. And mm-hmm. so I would go on and I would debate people from different areas because they wanted somebody from my side of the aisle. Right. And it was a really a great experience for me. And I remember in 2012, after the, we voted for it and it passed the Senate, um, I remember walking out of the chamber, I believe it was the evening, and I was walking with Brian Frost, our current ca- our current attorney general. And he and I, you know, we were different on a lot of issues, but we were also worked hard on this issue together i remember we walked out there and we were walking down west street in annapolis i think he or i remember right he looked at me and goes you know alan tonight we voted on something it really doesn't affect us mm-hmm. but it affects a lot of other people mm-hmm. who will be able to love who they want to love
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's not going to change who we are we can go home to our wives and our families but we've made a difference for other people today.
0: Oh.
1: and so that's one of the biggest things i believe and, and then to go farther, on, as county executive, I think preserving the Harriet Tubman School uh, was a huge thing. Again, people joke about that. Who was the one that do it? The Republican. Right. Um, to remember the, the, the Civil Rights days. Um, right. I think the Community Resources Campus, where we have all of our social service agencies in one location. Mm-hmm. So those folks who maybe are being raised by a single mom who's working two jobs can get her social service needs and get her benefits and be home with the kid. I think I got that pride from seeing my dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing How important it is to have a parent home with the kid. I tell everybody all the time that's the biggest thing for a kid. Have a parent home. Mm -hmm. You know, when the parent has to be out of the house working three jobs, the kids are alone. I know what it's like to be alone without your parents home. You get in trouble, and I got in some trouble. And so I'd like to make sure that we have an ability to get people to be home. And so the Community Resources Campus was a big deal for me. Um, I think the courthouse. You know, they people had asking for a new courthouse for decades, and we again. Didn't care who got the credit. We worked really hard with the county council. We got that done. So a lot of really good things I think happened, but it's only it only happens because it doesn't have to be my way. It has to be a way we can work together.
0: So I want to I wanna wrap this is so wonderful. I I know I can spend more, much more time, yeah. but I want to wrap. I want to ask you um, about inspiring the next generation. There are a lot of people who might be interested in pursuing a similar path, you know, in, in public service. What advice, what wisdom would you share, um, you know, based upon what you've seen, what you've done right, what you've done wrong? You know, what advice would you give to help inspire that next generation of of leader?
1: Well, first of all, I would want everyone to know that you can make a difference. I mean, a lot of people, especially young people, think it's all rigged. I can't make a difference. Um, People even on the far right and far left, you know, things are all rigged against us. And no, folks, you can make that difference. I saw that with my dad. I've seen that in my life. I believe I've made a difference. Um, I think that young people can make a difference. Uh, Just have to be heard and you have to make yourself known. And so, and I would tell people if you want to get involved in public service, I tell people this all the time, especially if I go talk to a high school class, which I did not too long ago, um, just find somebody or find some issue you care about. And I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, left, right, Find something you care about and just get involved. I mean, you can be involved well before you can vote. You can be involved long before you do some other things. I mean, I got involved when I was very young because my dad. But I mean, you can be involved. And it actually, it works that way. The more you get involved, you meet with people. I remember there was a young man who was a Glenelg High School interned with my campaign in 2014 when I was running for county executive. And I remember what he told us later on was how cool it was that he was in the war room Mm -hmm. with us on election night. Wow. So he he saw what was going on behind the scenes. He mm-hmm. saw as the votes were coming in, he saw how a campaign runs. And so he got a chance p- to be part of that. And I just encourage people to do that. And you'll get inspired by the people you're working with because if you care about an issue, you'll be inspired by the other people who care about that issue. Mm-hmm. And once you get involved, the only thing I would say is don't be so tunnel vision. Don't be so, I gotta have it my way. Be open to compromise. <laughs> David, I feel so upset that people seem to think that compromise is a bad thing. You can compromise. You can look and see, hey, what do you have that I think is a good idea? What do I have that I think is a good idea? Let's put them together and figure out how we can make it work. If it's not everything I want, that's OK. That's OK. Let's try to make it happen. I mean, when I was county executive, all four years on my budget, got five to nothing votes, even though there were four Democrats on the county council. I think it happened because when I met with them, I'd say, hey, what's important to you in this budget? And Mary Kay Siggity or Calvin Ball or Jen Traz or John Weinstein would say, hey, this is really important to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, as long as it's something that goes totally against my principles, I mean, I would say, sure. Let's figure out how we can make that happen. And so that would be my my suggestion to folks is get involved. Relationships are really important. Uh, You know, meet with people, talk to people, be with people. I get a little frustrated with this internet age where people don't seem to talk as much and they go off and just type stuff on Twitter. You know, talk to people and and be involved. and you can make a difference. And, and I think you'll get a lot of benefit out of it.
0: Awesome, awesome. Alan, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience. Awesome. Uh, great luck in the, the contest as you move forward. I'm sure I'll be hearing so much more from you and about you. Uh, and thank you and your family for making a difference to the lives of everybody in the county.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity, David. Just, no, you know, folks, we can do it. Just Let's just work together. Awesome. Take care.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Treble Podcast. If you're inspired by this story, want to network more effectively, and unlock new business and career opportunities, download Treble from the App Store today. You'll need to search for Treble Network, all one word. We're offering an exclusive deal for our podcast listeners to get a free premium membership with the promo code TreblePod. Again, use the code TreblePod to get a free premium membership on Treble today.